Good afternoon, everyone. I cannot speak for you, but for me, I need something spiritual to focus on. Am I the only one? I need something to focus on. That's why I created this podcast series, Today's Focus, where I attempt to try to hand everyone something spiritual to focus on throughout their day. Now, the strategy for this podcast series has never really, I mean, the original strategy was like, do something about 15 minutes long, do it in the morning, and then everyone would have the entire day. Some people asked me to do it maybe late at night so that when they woke up, it would be waiting for them. And and I've never really quite figured out the strategy, but well, but set aside a podcast series, set aside a podcasting strategy, just as a human being who has a microphone I find myself frequently needing something spiritual to focus on. And you think that I would, that I, I, I would not need that, but we all need that because there's always so many things pulling for our attention, so many things distracting us, our own struggles, our own sin, whatever's happening. So I definitely need that. So today, I don't know if this is for you or, or this is for me, but we'll talk about it. But before we get to today's focus, let me remind you, it is Friday, March the 1st, 2024. It is currently 2.46 p.m. Central Time, March the 1st. Now, that means tomorrow is March the 2nd, and you know what that means, right? Oh, come on, you have to know what that means. Tomorrow's March the 2nd. It's got to be the most important day on your calendar. It's Texas Independence Day, ladies and gentlemen. March the 2nd is Texas Independence Day. The most important... Okay, maybe it's not important to you. No, tomorrow is March the 2nd. But no, it is March the 1st. First, it's hard to believe that we're... I mean, we're already in March? What happened to 2024? I mean, what is happening to this year? It is, I mean, remember when we were talking about 2024 and, and, you know, we're getting ready to say happy new year. And then it was the brand new year. And we had all of these ideas and all of these plans. And then, well, then life happens. In fact, can you believe, maybe maybe you've not been paying attention, but you know here for the Theology Central podcast, one of the things we're doing this year is obviously we're focusing on the historical liturgical calendar and lectionary. And today would be, it's the Friday of the second week of Lent. The second week of Lent is fast coming to a conclusion. Now, whether you celebrate Lent, you don't care about Lent, whether you ignore it, the point is, it's a, it's a set-aside time where people are supposed to focus on things like sin, repentance, spiritual growth. So that means there's, there's, there's a specific focus, but I don't know about you. I've been focused on so many other things. So I need, I need something to focus on today. And then... I don't know if you've been paying attention to the broadcast recently. We spent, I don't know, it felt like four, five hours working on Satan, how Satan gets into your head. That was a wild, crazy ride. That, that was just insane. By the time that was over, and this, this sometimes can be, and 
And I think you've probably all experienced this, right? Sometimes you've left, you've gone to church and left church and you don't feel like you're any better off spiritually, right? You don't even know, like you, you went to church and by the time you've even le- dri- driven off out of the parking lot, you're already arguing with your spouse, fighting with your kids, trying to figure out what you're going to have for lunch, whatever the case may be. And really whatever you did that, that Sunday morning is almost forgotten by the time lunch is even over. We've all been there. But you would think after that many hours of trying to deal with such an important theological issue that I would have been somewhat better off spiritually, but I know I, I, I felt my, that my focus was more on, I was more frustrated. I was more bothered. I was more irritated. I'm like, for crying out loud, what, like sometimes in the world of Christianity, you just look at it and you're just like, I just don't know anymore. Like you sometimes feel like, I don't even know if I belong anywhere in that world. And so then, so then my spiritual focus wasn't really, it was more, it became more frustrating and discouraging and, and, and depressing. So I, I, I have not been in the studio most of the day. And so I finally walked up the stairs to the studio and I sat down here behind the microphone. I'm like, okay, I need to focus on something spiritual. So what do I do? Well, I look down and right here next to my chair on the floor is this little small book. I mean, it's really small. Uh, it's, it's about the size of my hand. It's a really small little book. It's called Spiritual Disciplines, How to Become a Healthy Christian by Mason King. It is a short guide to spiritual disciplines, how to become a healthy Christian by Mason King. I'm like, okay, I bought this book and I was going to do something with it. I think this is one of those things where I was buying something else and then it, you know, it popped up going, Hey, if you buy this, you know, you can get it for basically a dollar or two dollars, whatever the case may be. Hey, if you'll buy it with this or if you'll combine these items, you'll get free shipping or whatever the case may be. So I, I think it's one of those things. And I'm like, well, sure. If I can get it for that cheap, why not? Let, let me get one of them. So I, I've, I've had it here and I'm like, okay, at some point I'm going to do something with it at some point. So I'm like, all right. I need, I need to focus on something spiritual. So I opened it up. Spiritual disciplines, how to become a healthy Christian. I'm like, you know, I definitely like, I would like to be a healthy Christian. All right. So I just kind of looked at the, the, uh, you know, a couple of things. Here's the author's notes. Here's an introduction. All right. And there's some things here. And then all of a sudden I came to what they have labeled as section three in the introduction. The introduction is broken down into different sections. And I saw this as the heading for section three. Are you ready? This is page six in Spiritual Disciplines, How to Become a Healthy Christian. Because I, hey, don't you want to be a healthy Christian? I want to be a healthy Christian. How do you even, do you, how do you measure your health as a Christian? Is there a health checkup? Now, typically the health checkups are, do you do this? Do you not do this? Do you do this? Do you not do this? Do you do this? Do you not do this? Do you do this? And then you're like, okay, I'm going to try to do those things and not do those things. Okay. And that just becomes, I think, a maddening performance-based circle that you never can get out of, which was where much of evangelicalism lives. But I was, I was curious. So I, I, I looked at the section three and I can't, this is the heading. Three dimensions. For a healthy life with God. Three dimensions for a healthy life with God. Three dimensions for a healthy life with God. Now, what I want to do, 
What I really want to do right now is say, okay, your today's focus is for you to grab a piece of paper and I want you to consider what would be the three dimensions of your life that are essential for, well, spiritual health. What are the three dimensions for a healthy life with God? What are those three? If you were to write them down, what would, what would you write down? In fact, if I was doing this in a class setting or even church during a sermon, I would, I would have the people actually tell me what they think they are. What are the, what are the three? What are the three? I'm about to drop the book. What are the three? Let me go back and find it. What are the three dimensions for a healthy life with God? What, what, what do you think? They would be. What do you think? Now, I think most people would say, see, three dimensions. It would probably go something. I think some people would go something like, they would, maybe they would say something like, the Bible, prayer, church. Bible, prayer, fellowship. They'd probably go something like that, right? I, th- I think that's th- like some way they would go that direction. I don't know if this is the direction they're going to go, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to work through this. And I want us to think today, your focus is on these three dimensions for a health, healthy life with God. That sound like a good idea. That sound like a good idea. I, I had to sneeze, ladies and gentlemen. I got to the mic just in the nick of time. All right, here we go. Three dimensions for a healthy life with God. This is what they have right underneath that heading. The remainder of the book is an invitation to practice being present with God in three areas of daily life. So these three dimensions are something that we need to be present with God every single day. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I want to know. I need to know. I need to know because... I want to be, look, I want my spiritual life to be healthy, right? I, I, I hope we, I think we all desire to be healthy mentally. I think we all desire at least to some level to be healthy physically. And hopefully we all desire to be healthy spiritually. So what are these three areas? The categories are purposefully broad And in each, we explore a set of disciplines to help you sow towards your future self. These practices aid us in becoming the kind of person that, over time and through grace, increasingly displays the fruit of the Spirit. These three dimensions are. What do you think the three dimensions are? I know I keep I keep I keep waiting. I keep pausing. I know some of you are like, just get to the point. But I I, I yeah I do this because I try to get you to participate, right? You may be driving your car and I want you to be saying, okay, I think the three dimensions are. You may be sitting in your house and your kids are like, what, what are the three things? Come on, tell us. And you're like, I don't know. I'm waiting for him to tell me. No, no, you tell us. Okay, all right. Whatever the case may be. All right, are you ready? Here we go. The three are, number one, our attention. Number two, our emotions. And number three, our limits. Now, I would not have thought that that would, I, I, I don't know if I would have even written anything down like that. Our attention, or I'm going to, I'm going to use a different, uh, I'm, instead of using R, I'm going to make it more personal. I'm going to say my attention, my emotion, my limits. The three dimensions 
that I need to really focus on and be present with God in every and all three of these areas every single day is my attention. That one makes a little bit more sense. My emotions. Now, I thought that was really interesting that that's what I picked up today because we just spent a lot of time in that entire four, five, six hours, however long it was, discussion about Satan in your head and how thinking controls emotions. And, and I put forth the idea that emotion sometimes controls our thinking. And okay, we had a, we kind of had a, a big discussion about that. So I find it fascinating that I just by, you know, quote unquote chance picked up this book. It just happened to be laying here. And the page I turned to about these three dimensions. And the second one is our emotions. All right. So our attention or my attention, my emotions and our limits are my limits. Now, there's a little like paragraph for each one, right? So here's the three dimensions that you need to be have a healthy life with God. Here's the first one. Our attention, the most precious commodity we have, who you are today is built on where your attention went yesterday. If you want a future self that is healthier in Christ than you are today, then discipline your attention. Disciplining your attention is non-negotiable. Your attention is the most precious commodity you have. Who you are today, who you are at this very moment is built on where your attention went yesterday. If you want a future self that is healthier in Christ than you are today, then disciplining your attention is non-negotiable. They say this is like a non-negotiable thing. If you want to be better off tomorrow than you are today spiritually, then you, you have to discipline your attention. So in a roundabout way, what they're saying, where you put your attention or what you give your attention to is what you will be tomorrow. What you give your attention to today is what you will become tomorrow. So where is your attention? Where has your attention been? Now, this sounds like we know where this is going to lead, right? Which again, sometimes this spirals right back down to kind of a performance-based mentality, which I think sometimes isn't as helpful as everyone wants to make make it out to be. But I think this is going to come back down to what? Bible reading, scriptural memorization, scriptural meditation, listening to sermons. It's going to turn into that. And I, I don't know if that's simple, but I think it is at least something to consider. Where do you place your attention? Now, this is one, this is one that we definitely we don't have any problem finding a scripture for, right? This one is a simple one. This one is simple. Now you can think of some others. In fact, I'm going to have you do for today's focus. I'm going to have you do the work on this and I'm going to have you find all the scriptures that you think relate to each dimension. But the first one I'm going to give you, because this one is probably the most obvious of all of them. Don't you think? I think so. It's Colossians chapter, is it chapter three? Colossians chapter three, verse one. Here we go. Colossians chapter three, verse one. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are um, above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affection on things above. And according to them, hey, what you are today is where your attention was yesterday. And what you'll be tomorrow is where you'll set your affection today. 
Now, again, I, I, I feel that that will just descend into a performance-based thing. How much time do you spend reading your Bible? How much time do you spend listening to sermons? How much time do you pray? How much time do you meditate on God's Word? How much time do you spend reading God's Word? And I don't know if it's that simple, but I do agree that to some level where you put your attention, I think greatly, kind of greatly determines the direction you're going to go, which will determine where you're going to end up, right? I don't know exactly how it works in a car, so I haven't tested this, but I do know that like if you're driving your car and I, if you look, as I say, if you look to the left, you'll pull to the right. I think, or yeah, if you look to the left, I think you'll end up pulling to the right. Maybe you'll pull to the left. I don't know, but it, it's this weird thing. Like, like you're driving the car and you're just looking and you don't think you're, but for some weird reason, you involuntarily without almost subconsciously, you pull the wheel in that direction. You pull the wheel in that direction, which then a lot of times you're like, wait, what am I doing? You either hear that, the rumble strip on the side of the road, or you hear, ah, someone's honking at you because you're in the wrong lane. Whatever the case may be, we've all been there. We've all done that. You're like, oh man, what am I doing? I was just looking over there for a second, but you looked over and you pulled that. I think it's the direction you look is where you'll, you'll pull the car in that direction. I don't, I mean, I'd have to go try it one day, but you know, I'm no expert in driving by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I believe that's the case. Well, the same thing is true in your life. Yeah. In and in a, in a roundabout way, you're driving today and your destination is tomorrow. That's where you hope to get. You don't know if you're going to make it because you could die today, but your hope is to get till tomorrow. According to what they're claiming, your attention is going to determine not only where you're going to end up tomorrow, but they go so far to say who you're going to be. So I want you to think of all the scriptures that may kind of support that idea of, well, your attention. Let me read that, that paragraph again. Our attention is the most precious commodity we have. Who you are today is built on where your attention went yesterday. If you want a future self that is healthier in Christ than you are today, then disciplining your attention is non-negotiable. You've got to discipline your attention so that it's focused on that one thing. Number two, our emotions are my emotions. You can say your emotions. Here's the Here's the little paragraph underneath this. Our emotions. God created emotions and Jesus experienced and stewarded every emotion perfectly in the flesh. He showed us how to manage and not be managed by emotions. If you discipline yourself to give your emotional life to God on a regular basis as Jesus did, the you of tomorrow will be more like Christ. Now, I, I get a little nervous with the way this one is written, right? It's almost like, hey, Jesus was able to pull this off in the flesh. So because he could pull it off in the flesh by giving his emotions to the Father, we can pull it off if we will give our emotions to the Father. Now, come on. Let, Jesus was God incarnate, true God and true man. So I know, I know a lot of times Christians love to say, look, Jesus did that in the flesh, so you can do it in the flesh. I can't pull off what Jesus did because he was without a sinful nature. He was God incarnate. You can try to separate his deity from his humanity and say, well, see, he did that in his humanity, so you can do it in the humanity. No, his humanity did not have a sinful nature. All right. Oh, and he's God. Okay. So can we, can we stop with sometimes? I know preachers love to do that. 
So God created emotions and Jesus experienced and stewarded every emotion perfectly in the flesh. He showed us how to manage and not be managed by our emotions. Did he show us how to manage our emotions? He showed us how, I don't know, maybe God incarnate without a sinful nature can manage emotions. If I discipline myself to give my emotional life to God on a regular basis, as Jesus did, the you of tomorrow will be more like Christ. Now, I don't know. I don't like that paragraph. That whole paragraph to me is still logically problematic. But I have my attention and I need to give my attention and set my affections on things above. Okay, there, there, I think there we're, we're, we're good. Now, I don't know what scripture I would have or what uh, scripture I would look up for emotions. Not An immediate one doesn't come to mind. So what I want you to do is I want you to find all the scriptures that would talk about setting our affections, right? Where our affections should be. I can think of a lot of scriptures for that, but scriptures that would talk about our emotions. Now, I do know we have to be a good steward of our emotions, a good manager of our emotions, because our emotions has a tendency. Now, this is what I was talking about during doing the review of that entire Satan gets into your head. Our emotions has a, have a way of overriding our thinking. Has a, a, a way. You could say our emotions have a way of overriding our an intellect, our, our thinking, and it also has a way of sometimes overriding even our faith. See, our faith can grabs onto that which we cannot see. It grabs, we can't see it. We we don't have, we may not have any reason to hold on to it, but by faith, we hold on to it. Faith says there's a heaven, there's a hell. Faith says there's a God, there's eternal life, there's salvation, there's a forgiveness of sins. Your emotions may say, no man, there's no forgiveness. Live with that guilt. Fill that shame. Give up. Don't do another thing for God. You're destroyed. And in fact, other people may help with that, but that's your emotion. But in Christ Jesus, all sins are forgiven. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. All right. We, so by faith, faith allows us to grab onto that which emotion may tell you is not there. So we do have to discipline our emotion so that our emotion does not override our thinking or override our faith. Our, our, our faith cannot be, dri- think about it this way. Faith cannot be driven by emotion. Faith should not even be impacted by emotion. Faith has to be, has to anchor itself to the, to the truth of God's word, to truth, to facts, to the word of God. Right? The word of God tells me what's true. Whether my, my emotions, I can't let my emotions drive that. Now, and if I do, my faith will be, my faith will fluctuate. I'll be on a, I'll be on a, a, a spiritual roller coaster up and down based off my emotions. I cannot let my emotions override my faith and I cannot let my emotions override my thinking. See, if you let your emotions override your thinking, then your interpretation of scripture will be more emotionally driven than it will be textually driven. I am to look to the word of God using my intellect and my mind to interpret, to exegete, to, uh, to, to uh, formulate and to, and to think and to, and to use pr- proper hermeneutical, you know, methods. 
by reading and understanding it, then I grab onto it by faith. And then faith is able to grab onto that which emotion cannot perceive, which I cannot see. So we do have to manage our emotions. We have to set our affection on things above, but we have to regulate and control our emotions. Now, I don't know which scripture we would go to, right? I mean, the, the one that I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing of, at least to some level. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith, we understand. See, faith grabs onto that which cannot be seen. Faith grabs onto that which your feelings may completely deny. We cannot, we have to regulate faith if we want a, a, a spiritual, healthy life. We have to regulate, our, we have to regulate our emotions. We have to be good stewards of those emotions. We have to discipline those emotions so that we do not allow emotions to override faith or our intellect. Emotions, now you can say, how can emotions, how could emotions help? How could they be utilized to help our intellect and our faith? Well, that, that's something that we could discuss. The main thing, we can't let them override. All right. So number one, the first dimension is our attention. The second uh, dimension is our emotions. If you have any scriptures that you think would apply to emotions, I don't know if we're going to have like a specific verse. I think we have maybe, I think we have more of biblical examples, Right. Jonah allowed his emotions to override, well, what God said. His emotions wanted a certain people destroyed, and God said, preach and repentance to them. So I think Jonah may be a good example, right? I, I don't want to give too, uh, too many away. I don't want to give too many away. I think we may have an example where emotions overrode truth, overrode facts, overrode faith. Oh, I'm thinking of a, of a certain prophet who got so upset he sat down under a tree and asked he wanted to die his his emotions were overriding everything even though he just had a great display of faith you can probably find that one that i'm i'm giving these too many too many away attention emotions now number 3 our limits now what do they mean by that this one i i what they say about emotions, I dis, I, I'm just discounting it and throwing it completely out. What they say about attention, okay, I'm, I'm with that one. Emotions, I, I've kind of reestablished our own way of understanding it. Let's see what they say about limits. Our limits are your limits, my limits. We have a creator and we are not the creator. Yet often we view our limits as obstacles instead of mercies. The life of self-sufficiency is a repeated declaration of independence from God. And this is not the call of the Christian. If you want to get healthier as a Christian, you'll need to get disciplined in the way you embrace the boundaries of your creaturehood. Oh, now this, 
is fascinating to me. I know they're, they would not agree with where I'm going to take this, but I'm going to take their concept and I'm just going to make it in our own. I do agree that as a Christian, you need to come face to face. Look, if you're going to be a healthy Christian, you need to, you need to set your affection on the right thing. That's going to determine who you're going to be tomorrow. You've got to find a way to discipline and control your emotions so they don't override your thinking and they don't override your faith. But number three, you've got to come face to face with your limitations. You, if you're going to be healthy as a Christian, you have to uh, let your limitations, you have you, those limits, you have to, your weakness, whatever word you want to put there, your limits, your weakness, your inability, you've got to let it walk right up and slap you right in the face. Forget a slap. It's got to punch you in the face. Forget a punch. It's got to elbow you. Forget an elbow. It's going to kick you. Forget it. It's going to hit a, take a baseball bat and hit you upside the head. What, whatever the most violent thing you can think of, it's got to hit you in the head so that you feel it. You feel that limitation. You feel that weakness. You feel that inability. I think a good portion of Christianity, the evangelical world, I think one of the reasons it's so unhealthy is it spends most of its time trying to deny our inability. It tries to lie about our inability. Let me, let me, let me explain. If you are a Christian, you need to come face to face with your limitation of you cannot keep the law. You cannot obey it. Christian, most of the evangelical Christianity will tell you you can. That now that because you're a Christian, you're set free from sin, you have the power of God, you can say no to sin, you can say yes to God. I have heard that preached a billion times in my Christian life. No, 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 no. Even as a Christian, you cannot keep God's law. God's law demands perfection. It demands perfection internally and externally. It demands that you keep it all totally and perpetually, because if you violate one part, you're guilty of the whole thing. You have to embrace your limitation and say, I cannot keep God's law. I cannot keep God's law. I fall short. I do not love God with all my heart, my body, and soul. I do not love my neighbor as myself. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is imperfect, I cannot do that. When he said that my righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, I can't do that because he is claiming, he's calling for a perfect righteousness internally. When he says, be ye holy as I am holy, I can't do it. You've got to embrace and feel that limitation and it should bother you. You should be broken over it. You should be convicted by it. You should feel that weakness. And now what do you do with that weakness? It, you don't pull yourself up by the bootstraps and say, I'm going to try harder. You go run and throw yourself at the foot of the cross and say, only by your blood is there forgiveness. And only because of your perfect obedience do I have any hope. By faith, your righteousness is imputed to me. And I stand before you perfect and holy, even though I am not. So you have to, you have to allow, you have to, so feel and acknowledge your limitations that they drive, it drives you to the cross. And then guess what it does? You get up from that cross and you leave with a great fear of yourself. Three dimensions, your attention, 
You must place your attention on the things of God. Your attention will determine who you will be tomorrow. Your emotions, you have to control your emotions and discipline your emotions so that it does not override your intellect and it does not override your faith. And then three, you've got to be hit in the head with the reality of your limitations so that you're driven to the foot of the cross and you walk away with a fear of yourself. You realize you are the problem. You are the issue. The issue is inside of you. Remember the, the the whole thing we spent talking about Satan inside your head. That entire sermon denied this. No, no, no. You don't have any weakness inside of you because because none of no no bad thoughts ever come from inside of you. Well, then that that's teaching you you don't have to fear yourself. You have to fear yourself. I am my own worst enemy. Inside of me is lust, fornication, idolatry, adultery, adultery, covetousness, hatred, murder, deceit. That's inside of me. All of those things arise from within me. And because that sinful nature, I know my limitation. I know I cannot keep God's law. I know that I'm going to fall short. I know that even my good works are nothing but filthy rags before a holy God. Those are the three areas. Those are the three dimensions of your spiritual life that I want you to think about. So I want you to think, I want you to think about all the verses that would focus on where our attention should be focused on. And I want you to think of, of passages or examples of emotions and where emotions can override thinking and where emotions can override um, faith. I'll, I'll give you, I'll just, I'll give you another example. I'm helping you with some of these, right? I don't know. There was this king. And he supposedly was the wisest man on earth. He had great intellect. He had great wisdom. He had faith in God. But his heart was turned because of him having a thousand women. So he found himself, even though a man of great intellect, even though a man of great faith, He found himself becoming a serial polygamist and a serial adulterer. And then he became an idolater because his heart, his emotion, his love for that. There's an example of emotions. He didn't control his emotions. Limits. Now, the thing is that limitation means that everything we try to do with our attention and everything we try to do with our emotions, we're going to fail. So I've got to run to Christ. I've got to trust in imputed righteousness. I've got to rely on my my standing. And then it should make me fear myself. Now, there's more here about each one of these, but this is a today's focus. I'm going to leave it right there. I want you to go right, right down right now. If you're in your house, run to your refrigerator, get a piece of paper, write down attention, emotions, Limits, attention, right? Arms are not, well, you're, uh, uh, hang on. I am saying attention where you need to put your attention. Yeah, your attention. I was going to say affections, but it's your attention. Where you need to put your att- attention, where you, where you need to put your focus at. 
All right. So your attention, because we set our affections on things. We're setting our attention on. All right. All right. So I think I've been using those interchangeably. All right. But you get the idea. Our attention. So put down the word attention, put down the word emotions and put down the word limits. And just, I want you to look at those three words throughout the day and think of scriptures that would focus on our attention, where our attention should be on our emotions, the positive and negative of our emotions, and then our limits. We need to embrace what we cannot do so that we will fear ourselves. That is your today's focus for this Friday, March the 1st, 2024. I hope that's beneficial. I hope it sparks a conversation today. Maybe it sparks a good conversation for the entire weekend. If it does, hey, take a moment and share it with me at news. IF at yahoo.com, news, IF at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for listening. Quick reminder, just remember that Theology Central, which is the podcast that produces the Today's Focus podcast series, it is supported by you. If you support, we're here. If you don't, it goes away. You can give by going to theologycentral.net and hitting the donate tab or using the Church One app or the uh, Sermons 2.0 app. Just hit the give tab as well. And uh, there you go. And if you don't, it's great. Either way, what I want you to focus on is on these three dimensions of your spiritual life, your attention, your emotions, and your limits. May God bless you as you meditate on these very important concepts.